Fresh off their victory over Costa Rica, 1-0 in the snow McGinnon game, the U.S. men's national team heads down to Mexico City for some warmer weather to take on El Tri. Ivis Glarsep is down in Mexico. This is the SBI Podcast. Ivis, how are you doing today? Doing pretty well, man. I'm uh, down here in Mexico City. It's nice and sunny, and it's always, always, uh, it's always unique and, and fun those days when you wake up and it's you're walking through the snow, and then by the afternoon you're you're in sunny, warm climates. And that was uh, that's how it was on Sunday when I when I left Denver with the national team, and uh, we flew down here to Mexico City. And I can tell you already the. Uh, you know the fans down here are ready for that game. Uh, the Mexican fans and they're they're a little desperate because you know their team hasn't won a match yet and they're only they they're only have two points right now and and I can tell you Mexico City on Tuesday night is going to be crazy. Well, for everyone who's listening to the show today, we obviously want to thank everyone who's listening, but we also want to let everyone know that um, Ivis is in Mexico City. I'm in Dallas for the Dallas Cup, and I'm in a hotel. Ivis is also in a hotel, so today's internet connection between us isn't going to be the greatest. So. Kill Ivis for uh, in the comments for not purchasing the better internet in Mexico City. That's that's pretty much all I have to say. Well, there is no option to uh, to purchase <clears throat> better internet, but I will say, listen, folks, bear with us. It won't sound as good as as normal. Uh, please, so please don't kill us about the sound quality. You can, however, kill us about the things Garrett says. Thank as you. Usual. Th- thanks, I appreciate you can, that. You can, you can always feel free to do that. <laughs> thanks, Ivis. <laughs> Moments like this, I wonder. Um, but as we as we go into the show, though, Ivis, I mean, you were at that Costa Rica game, watching it in person. I mean, what was going through your mind while you're just with what you're seeing on the field? Well, I mean, honestly, the the play on the field up until maybe you know midway through the second half, uh, it, it wasn't bad. You know, the ball moved pretty pretty true. It, it rolled well and. You know, obviously, it's not normal conditions, but you know, surprisingly enough, the U.S. was able to knock the wrong, knock the ball around pretty well uh, and pass the ball around pretty well in the first half. Like mm-hmm. uh, I'd, I'd say, better than than in some other games. I mean, I can remember the Antigua, the Antigua Mud Bowl uh, down there, where you know the ball wouldn't roll two feet. So you know, I, I mean, from that standpoint, you know, I, I, it wasn't all that crazy, but just the atmosphere overall was unbelievable. Just with the, as much, the amount of snow that fell. Uh, the crowd, the fact that it was, you know, sold out and it, it wasn't it was in case of empty seats because people didn't bother to go through the snow. I mean, I think everyone that had most almost everybody that had a ticket found a way to get through that snow and get in that stadium. Mm-hmm. And it really was a night to remember just because of everything that was going on. And I mean, you had people shoveling snow during the match, you know, people with shovels rushing onto the field during breaks in games and. I mean, it's one of those games. It's just an unforgettable game. Everyone in that stadium is going to brag about having been there, and I can guarantee you, there are going to be people who were not there that night who will let who will tell people that they were. Really, you think so? Absolutely, man. This was a this was a game for the ages. Just no, 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 no. I'm talking. I'm, I'm talking about the people who weren't there. They're going to brag that they're there. Man, I mean, do, that happens all the time. Do people do that? Like it doesn't. Twenty do, years from now, there's going to be like a hundred thousand people. Why do saying Why do like, people that's do just that? How it is. That's why? how. That's, no, no, I'm being serious. Why do people do that? Why can't people just be honest and say, no, I didn't go there. I'm not going to pretend like I'm from there. I'm just throwing it out there. I just don't get it. You know what it is? People just want to be a part of it. And, you know, for some people, I think watching it on TV, you almost felt like you were there, just, you know, taking it all in. But whatever. The point is, it was a great night uh, for the U.S., and they needed the three points badly uh, to get things back on track and mm-hmm. kind of put put to rest all the talk about a, t- a team in turmoil, a team in a state of flux. You know, and all of a sudden they jump from the bottom of the table to second place in the table with one result. 
And uh, and now they're feeling really good, and you could argue they're playing with house money uh, heading into Tuesday night's game against Mexico. Well, Ibis, let's let's look a little bit still at the Costa Rica game. Your boy, Demarcus Beasley, looked pretty good back there. Uh, thanks for pointing that out. It, and it's it's funny, you know. So many people had questions about Beasley, and and even the idea of bringing him in. Then he gets called in, and people are like, "There's no way he's gonna play." Mm-hmm. And then there's like, "There's no way he's gonna play left back." And what does he do? He goes out on Friday night and has, you know, arguably his best, you know, his best game in years for the national team at left back. Obviously, there were adverse conditions in the snow, but he did his job and he was outstanding. And I think most people agree that he man of the match. Uh, his teammates couldn't stop raving about his performance that night. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, position that everyone was worried. You, you, you want to, you know, now you want to see him play again at left back. And I think it's safe to say he's going to play again in, in, in game in, in Mexico City. He's going to play there again. And he just turned back the clock. And you have to love the fact that a player like that, who for the past three years has, has been in the wilderness and has been off the U.S. radar for the most part, all of a sudden he's back. And now he's looking like an important part of the team. Well, the other, uh, another player too that had a outstanding performances, Jermaine Jones. The, the pictures of him are hilarious throughout that game. But he's injured, heading back to Germany now. Ivis, uh, I mean, J- Jones looked pretty good in that game. I think, I think one of his better performances as a uh, as a member of the U.S. Men's National Team. I mean, another guy had a good game was Brad Guzan. But when when I look at the whole game as a whole, though, Ivis, can you take much from this game, even with these conditions? I mean, th- clearly you're not. I mean, the 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 ball wasn't rolling the way it should roll. Passes weren't going the way they should go. I mean, is, can you really say, like, this guy had a good game, or is it just they had a good game, you move on from there, you can't take too much from it? Okay, I'll head all the way back to your point about Jermaine Jones and Brad Guzan. Jermaine Jones, for me, had a good game. I, I know some people said he didn't or thought he didn't. I know some people wrote or gave him terrible ratings, but I can tell you what. I, being at that game that night in the stadium, watching him all over the field, breaking up plays, play after play, and, and leaving it all on the line out there. The guy had a good game, and, and the U.S. is going to miss him. And, you know, say what you want. You know, I, I know late in the game he elbowed a player and he could have got sent off. Look, forget all that. The guy had a good game. He put it all out there. And after that Honduras game uh, last month where he struggled and really didn't play well, for him to come out there, I mean, he, I think I feel like he really showed a lot. He laid it all out there. The guy went in at halftime with a hole in his leg from a, stu- from, you know, a studs-up challenge and got stitches at halftime and went back out on the field. Uh, So I think anyone that ever had any reservations about the fact that Jermaine Jones plays on the U.S. team, uh, that a German-born player, German-American is on this team, I think you put those to rest. The guy comes to play. He cares about playing for the U.S., and and last Friday he gave it his all. As far as Brad Guzan, Brad Guzan was excellent. I mean, he he. He pretty much made every play that he had to make. I mean, there might have been one case where, you know, he didn't get to a cross and it got over his head, but luckily nobody was there for Costa Rica. He, you know, mm-hmm. in those conditions, you expect the goalkeeper to have a couple of blunders, but he, there's no doubting the fact that he he was excellent, especially in those conditions. He he didn't have many bobbles. He didn't he didn't you know create bad situations for his teammates. He did everything that he had to do. But I would agree with you that it's tough to to kind of rate what. You know, everyone did in that game because of the conditions. But, you know, it, they were the same for both teams. You know, Costa Rica obviously, had, you know, had had those struggles as well. But you can definitely point to certain players. You can point to the center backs who handled, who dealt with all the stuff in the air. Costa Rica was pumping balls in regularly. And Clarence Goodson and Omar Gonzalez dealt with all of it. Um, you know, they, really, there weren't many bad performances I would say, I mean, if you look at the group as a whole, maybe you can argue Graham Zussi uh, didn't really do much in, in my, probably, you know, my, he seems to me to be a long shot to start on Tuesday. Uh, Jeff Cameron's, you know, 
he had his struggles as well. I mean, mm-hmm. I thought you know he 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 didn't give away anything terrible, but he looked a little unsettled. Maybe the maybe the snow was kind of a, an issue for him more than others. But I mean, overall though, as far as the team performance goes, I think it was one of the better team performances for the U.S. in a while. Well, now Costa Rica is I mean, this is this is not news to everyone. If it's news, then I don't know what you're what you're reading or what you're watching. But Costa Rica is now obviously putting in a protest to FIFA. Um, how much weight do they have protesting this game? And I mean, is this something that FIFA will overturn and make them replay, or is that even that's not even going to be consideration? Uh, you know, I, I can't imagine that happening. And just based on the FIFA's uh, statement issued to, uh, on Monday about having received the protest, you already get the sense it's not going to go anywhere because there's this this, this full laundry list of things that a team has to do to mm-hmm. file a protest. And it just just doesn't seem likely that Costa Rica did all the things that they had to do. I mean, I'll tell you what, on Friday night, they were complaining to everyone who would listen, but that doesn't mean they took the necessary steps to make it happen. I mean, for me, one of the funniest scenes on Friday night was seeing the Costa Rica head coach walking through the interview area where all the U.S. players were getting interviewed, and he was just in Spanish repeating over and over, what an embarrassment. What an embarrassment. And it was just like, really, guy? Like, just take the loss, go to your, you know, go back to the hotel, fill up, fill out a protest. But, he, I mean, there were some pretty, like, I thought, you know, pretty childish scenes. I mean, at one point you had the, uh, from what I was told, you had, like, the head of the Costa Rican Federation crashing a press U.S. press conference and, and calling out Sunil Galati and pretty much telling him that it was a joke that the game was played. I mean, you know what? On one level, like, you could see why they'd be upset. But at the same time, Costa Rica's been playing at Estadio Saprisa for years, and that's one of the worst places to play in CONCACAF, and it has been for a long time. And I can tell you what, that field in Saprisa for years has been the worst, one of, one of the worst, if not the worst, in the region. And no one's been filing protests about having to go play down in Saprisa. And, and so I think it's all a little, it's all a bit much, I think, for Costa Rica. U.S. fans can tell you, I'll tell you what, think about the Antigua game last year, the Mud Bowl. Oh, it's horrible. Hey, that, those conditions were worse, way worse than, than uh, the game last Friday, if you think about the ball movement and the ability to knock the ball around. I mean, the ball wouldn't roll two feet in the mud in Antigua. Mm-hmm. And, did you, and no one heard the U.S. even consider a protest. So I think it's, I think it's a little embarrassing, personally. All right, guys, let's move on to the uh, USA-Mexico game on Tuesday. Uh, Jermaine Jones is out, so we might see a little bit of a different lineup here. Um, you know, let's go over the lineup, over who, who you're going to think like we did last time. You know, position, we'll, we'll go by uh, the levels of positions. We'll break that down. And goal, obviously, Brad Guzan is going to start there again. No question. He's a starter. Okay, then let's move on to the defense here. Uh, should we expect the same defense again to Marcus Beasley on the left, Goodson and Omar Gonzalez at center backs, and Jeff Cameron as the right back? That that should be the same going into the Mexico game. In theory, it should be. You would think it will be, but I don't know if it's a guarantee that it will be. And I'll tell you why. What it comes down to is the game on Tuesday is going to be a very different game than the game on Friday. It's a different different challenges, different ish, different problems. When you in in the snow on a, on Friday night, mm-hmm. when, when you're going to have an opponent pumping balls in uh, into the into the penalty area like Costa Rica did, then it's ideal to have two big center backs like Goodson and Gonzalez uh, to to handle all those aerial threats. On Tuesday against Mexico, you're going to go, be going up against a team with some serious speed all over the field, and also Chicharito, who's right now the you know the best striker in in Concacaf, uh, and I don't know if that tandem can get the job done. 
uh, considering those challenges. I mean, that tandem is is a little, is slow. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Uh, from that standpoint, you have to worry or wonder: can that bat too deal with shifty and quick players, fast players? Uh, so you could see Maurice Adu step in for either Goodson or Mar- or Omar Gonzalez. Uh, I, you know, I still think that's a possibility. Having said that, the fact that Jermaine Jones is out definitely hamstrings uh, Klinsman and what he can do and what he wants to do. So from that standpoint, I think you can you'll see Marisa do in midfield because, uh, you know, you're losing Jones's steal in the midfield and, and, and the work he does. So you're probably going to need Marisa do more in the midfield than in the back. Well, there's no chance that Marisa do drops back to center back and then Kyle Beckerman goes in there to, to take Jermaine Jones's role. That 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 is an option. I mean, I think, honestly, that's a very good possibility. Um, I know a lot. I know it was interesting. You know, I, I put it on Twitter that you know there's that possibility that Kyle Beckerman could get the start mm. and people were freaking out i mean i think honestly you why sense sometimes that because he <clears throat> there's a lot of people there's a lot of u.s fans who don't rate kyle beckerman as a national team player and and i, I you know some and it's the, it's a pretty high percentage i mean outside of utah outside of rsl fans i just don't get the sense there's a lot of fans that are convinced that kyle beckerman can handle uh games against tougher opponents and and what's interesting is kyle beckerman started and went 90 minutes in the 1-0 win against Mexico in August in Azteca. but And that team, that Mexico team, was a pretty good team. I mean, it, that, that team was missing Giovanni de Santos. Uh, but other than that, that team was a pretty full-strength Mexico team. But, of course, you know, there's going to be, you know, critics that, that don't rate Beckerman that are going to point to the fact that it's going to be 110,000 people. It's a different environment mm-hmm. than last August. Gio de Santos is such a handful. Beckerman might not be able to handle that. So, Beckerman's not a lock, but Klinsman clearly likes Beckerman, and he's and he's liked him for a while. Uh, he's played him in, in big games against tough opponents, so so I don't think anyone should be surprised if that happens. But for for right now, though, just just for the sake of of you're the coach and, and you're announcing your roster, I just want to say the defense that you have going forward is Demarcus Beasley, Clarence Goodson, Omar Gonzalez, and Jeff Cameron. Correct? Yes. Okay. Let's move up to the midfield then, because we—I mean—we can always talk about guys dropping and blah blah blah, but that's just the defense right now. Let's talk about the midfield right here. Might see a little bit of a different setup since Jones is not there. However, though, I mean, we, we also obviously Clint Dempsey's going to be there. Michael Bradley's going to be there. Combination of maybe Marisa Du, Kyle Beckerman, and then you have your left mid right there. Possibility that Breck Shea could play. He—he looks good in, in games against Mexico. He could be in there. Uh, Sasha Kleshin could be in there. Joe Corona maybe. What, what do you expect out of the midfield? Well, I can tell you what I don't. I really don't think we'll see Corona start. He's he, you know, he's his first start. I highly doubt will come in Azteca. As far as Breck Shea, you know, you can't argue that he has had some good moments against Mexico in the past in friendlies. But there's still the question about his match fitness. I mean, he didn't even play. You know, he didn't even feature in the Friday game. I I, I just don't see him uh, being a starting option. Uh, as far as the midfield and how it's most likely to be constructed, I think you'll see Maurice Sadu in front of the defense. And I think you could definitely see Sasha Kleshton come into the lineup uh, for Graham Zussi and have him play alongside Michael Bradley. And, you know, for anyone questioning that and thinking that that's, there's no way that'll happen, I, I will remind people that Sasha Kleshton was a regular starter in the Hex in 2009. He has that experience. He actually started the game against Mexico in Azteca in the 2009 qualifier, the one where Mexico came back and won that game. Um, so he has that experience. He's played in these games. He's played in this in this atmosphere, mm-hmm. this very atmosphere that we're going to see Tuesday, he's been there. 
Um, so it's a, it's a good opportunity for him to get in there, provide a little bit of attacking spark in midfield. But he can also, you know, do the dirty work as far as get a covering ground. And then I think we'll see Clint Dempsey uh, in, a, in a bit of a playmaking role. I think we could see more of a 4-4-2 uh, than a 4-3-3. And I think Dempsey's going to be the guy pulling the strings. So you, so, so no Graham Zuzzi? Nah, you know, I can't. Honestly, I don't, I don't see him fe- uh, featuring in a game like this. Uh, you know, he, he's a good player. You know, I just don't know if he showed much on Friday or showed enough on Friday, uh, you know, to play. So, or at least to start. I mean, I think he comes off the bench. But, you know, as far as the lineup against Mexico, I just think there are other options uh, that, that uh, Clemson's going to turn to. Okay, so the midfield, you have the U.S. running a 4-4-2, which I'm assuming they're going to kind of maybe do a diamond with Maurice Du holding, Dempsey attacking. Uh, and then you have, what, Bradley on the right, Sasha on the left. Is, is that what you have right there? Right. I mean, there, it, the other possibility is that Klinsman goes very defensive. If he decides to go very defensive, then I think you you can see Beckerman coming in for Cleshton and and having Beckerman be the guy who sits in front of the defense mm-hmm. and have Adu and Bradley either on either side of him cre- creating kind of a three man wall in front of the defense or in a slightly advanced role. I think that's the other the other option that you could see on Tuesday. Okay, let's move up to the forward position. Josie Aldador, who did not have a goal in the game, but did have the uh, semi de facto assist when he shot it and deflected. I'm assuming that for you, Ivis, he's going to get the start. Then you have to put the grinder in there, Hercules Gomez. Those are your two, your two guys up top. Right. I, I think that's a safe bet. I think, you, you know, those guys, for what you want to do. Gomez, I mean, I think Gomez you have to put in there. I mean, he, you know, he had actually, I thought, a pretty good game against Mexico in August. Could have done a penalty in that game. Uh, his Just the work he puts in, uh, the tone he sets defensively and attacking-wise. I mean, he, he, he just gives you so much. And Josie... Josie Alcador is another player who I think some people question how he did on Friday. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, I can't, you know, in recent memory, I can't recall a game where he put in more work, where he hustled more than he did on Friday. I mean, he played like a guy who plays in snow all the time. And, I, he, you know, maybe he's played four or five times in his career. But he, he was a man possessed that night. I mean, he was really covering a lot of ground. And people who question about, you know, the goals still aren't coming, why, you know, why is he more of a threat? And it's like, listen, folks, if the midfield can't get him the ball, he can't just, you know, use telekinesis and, and, and like, use his brain to draw the ball to him without any help from, from his midfield. If he doesn't, the chances aren't getting set up. He, he, you can't finish chances that aren't set up for you. I mean, look at Chicharito Hernandez. I mean, the goal he scores, he scores great goals. But he still needs the service. I mean, Chicharito isn't dribbling through entire defenses and scoring goals. No, he's running on a quality service. And the same same thing goes for, for Altidore. He needs the midfield. He needs his teammates to get him the ball in good spots. And and that, all that aside, I thought he played well on Friday. And I think he could be a handful against Mexico. He has scored against Mexico in the past. And I think from a physicality standpoint, uh, the fact that Mexico lost their, their big physical uh, defender Massa Rodriguez to to yellow cards. Um, I think he. I think Jose is going to be a handful for Mexico. Okay, and then so so you got you got you got Jose Altidore, Hercules Gomez on there, and two other forwards. Uh, Eddie Johnson did play in the game against Costa Rica. Another guy that did not see the field at all, Terrence Boyd. Any possibility that these guys not start, but maybe see some playing time? Well, I mean, if if Eddie Jones starts, I mean, if Eddie Johnson starts, it wouldn't be that much of a shock to me. I mean, actually, when I did a projected lineup of the lineup that I would go with, I actually put Eddie Johnson on the field, uh, you know, on the left side of the field. I think he can go at um, Mexico's defense. 
put some pressure on that side of the field. And the way Mexico plays, I mean, they're so strong on the wings that you need to really put pressure on those wings. It's not just about defending. It's also about attacking them on the flanks, Mm -hmm. making them stay honest. And I think if you put Eddie Johnson wide left, Hercules Gomez wide right, I think think that could work pretty well. Uh, Having said that, I don't know if Klinsman does that. I I don't know if he's going to go to 4-3-3 with with Johnson on the left and Gomez on the right. I would consider it, but... Uh, you know, I think people should be prepared for for Klinsman to to go pretty defensive with this lineup. Well, if anyone wants to see the lineups chosen by Ivis, you can go to the uh, soccerbyivis dot net, like you all do, and then you can go to the uh, who should start the U.S. men's national team versus Mexico, and you can see Ivis has two rosters there. He has one that's a little bit more attacking friendly and one that's a little more uh, defensive friendly, right there. But just for the sake, though, let's uh, let's just recap what we talked about here, though. Uh, Brad Guzan in goal, Demarcus Beasley, Goodson, Omar Gonzalez, Jeff Cameron in the back, Dempsey, Kleshin, Bradley, and Adu at the mid, and Outdoor and Gomez up top. Is that correct, Ivis? Yes. Okay, so now I need a prediction. What do you think is going to happen in this game? Well, here's the problem. Mexico is in desperation mode. I mean, the fact that they blew a two-goal lead in in Honduras and now have two points from two games and dropped those points against Jamaica in the opener – they have to get three points in this game. And I tell you what, Mexico is still a very good, very dangerous team. I mean, anyone who watched them in the first 60 minutes, 60, 70 minutes against Honduras, saw how good they can be. And at the end of the day, they just kind of wore down playing in, you know, 107-degree weather in Honduras. They wore down. And it's, but I tell you what, it's not going to be that hot on Tuesday night. They're playing this game at 8.30 p.m. local time. It's going to be cool conditions. It's going to be perfect conditions for a soccer game. And Mexico, with their speed, is going to cause a lot of problems. And you know what? The U.S., they're going to come into this game relaxed, playing with some house money. But I just think that the atmosphere and the pressure on Mexico is going to, is going to motivate Mexico to win that game. And, and uh, you know, the, only, the scenario that I could see happening where the U.S. wins is if they find a way to get an early goal, if Clint, if Clint Dempsey does what he seems to do every game, which is find the net, which is take one chance and bury it, if they can put an early goal on the board, the pressure will absolutely be on Mexico. And I think, that, you know, I know some Mexican fans insist that the Mexican crowd would never turn on Mexico in a game versus the U.S., but I, but I tell you what, the pressure would absolutely be on Mexico if that happens. All that said, I think Mexico is too good. They're going to respond under pressure, and I think I, you know I hate to say it, but I think they're going to win this game on Tuesday. What do you think the score? Will be? One zero, two one, three two. I'm going to go two zero. Actually, you know what? I'm going to go two one. I think it'll be two zero, and I think the U.S. can get a goal late in the game. Um, but I just I just don't see it happening. I mean, I was here in '09, and when Charlie Davies scored that early goal, it absolutely Jeez, Charlie Davies. Yeah, talk about a name, that. dude. Yeah, it's a blast from the past. Yeah, four man. Years, it's it, four years ago. Four years just flew by. I got to tell you. But when Charlie Davies scored his goal in that game against Mexico, the Azteca absolutely went silent because they just they weren't expecting that. So if Clint Dempsey can do that, or if Josie can do that, or or if Hercules Gomez can do that, if they get if the U.S. can get an early goal, I think that could happen again. I think you could absolutely silence the, the Azteca, and and they'll be even more nervous because of the fact they only have two points from two games. Then the U.S. has a chance, but they have to get that early goal, and, uh, and their defense has to has to hold up under what is going to be some serious pressure from the Mexicans. I agree. I think it's just uh, it's it's just, it, USA is just in a very tough position right there. You have a Mexican side that's that's drawn their first two games. They, they're taking harsh criticism from the media. They're going to be in big time desperation mode. 
But when a team's in desperation, Monavis, sometimes they make mistakes, and and this could be a game where that you kind of you know fingers crossed that Mexico will make a mistake because they're going to be so desperate to get that victory that. You know, maybe the USA just, you know, kind of just ca- takes the game casually, you know, plays smart, and maybe they can take advantage of Mexico's desperation. I mean, it could go either way. I mean, for, for you know, for Mexico, it's high risk, high reward. I mean, because if they keep pushing forward, keep pushing forward to get that victory, I mean, USA could maybe try to get a counter and, and, and work out something well. I mean, and that's what makes this game so interesting right here going into it, that 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 there's just so many little things that, that could happen in this game going forward. Right. I mean, I, you know, it, it's going to be a great night. I mean, I've been here. This is going to be my third Azteca U.S.-Mexico game. And I can tell you, man, the fans, the stadium is going to be absolutely sold out. And the last two games here were daytime games, um, which, you know, you're talking about hot conditions, uh, you know, it, it really you know, between the smog and the sweltering in Mexico City and the sweltering heat. It was a really tough uh, tough setting for the U.S. team. I mean, especially in 05. I mean, I can remember mm-hmm. the U.S. players absolutely struggling uh, between the heat and the altitude. I mean, you got to remember, we're at altitude here in Mexico City. Um, I think Tuesday night, it's going to be different. You, you know, you're not going to have that heat. It's going to be a cool night, most likely. Um, and and Mexico is going to come out to play, and it's going to be, you know, it, it could, I don't know, man. I, I, the U.S., I, I just find, I just think it's going to, It'll be a hard time for them to get anything out of this game. Well, now I was gonna say the mood around the team since Friday night has been excellent. I mean, just talking to these guys, uh, you know, they 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 spent the last couple of days at the hotel in in Denver, just you know, hanging out in the cold weather there, mm-hmm. and and the mood throughout the team was positive. You could sense the difference, uh, the relaxed nature of the squad coming down here. So as intimid- as intimidating as it's going to be, for, especially for a lot of these new guys who who haven't been here for an, a qualifier, uh, uh, um, there's still going to be that relaxed nature because because they know they they know they they have three points in the bag, and win, lose, or draw, they're going to be in pretty decent shape heading into June and the June qualifier. So it, I think it's going to be a great night, uh, and hopefully the U.S. defense can hold up. But you know, I, I just don't think anyone should get too you know get their hopes up too much. But if that early goal comes. If an American gets that early goal, watch out. All right, Davis. Well, U.S. men's national team isn't the only thing going on. MLS did play this past weekend. Some of the teams were completely depleted due to international call-ups. Some teams were, were having some injury problems. But let's start off. Let's talk about the hottest team in MLS right now, who I don't think anyone expected this. The Montreal Impact are now 4-0, and they're looking like the real deal. No, oh, they're absolutely the real deal. And, uh, you know, it's interesting that they, 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 this team is pretty much r- pretty close to being the same team that finished 2012 for Montreal. You know, when they brought in Nesta, uh, they brought in DeVaio, um, you know, it's, it's a lot. It's most of the same guys. I mean, the, but the difference is, you know, Alexander Nesta had an offseason to, to really get in shape. And now he's playing really well, even though he's hurt and missed the last game. He, hit, he started out really well. And I think that just getting that chance to, to, to come together and actually have a new coach come in, and you have to give him credit. Marco Schalbaum has done a great job getting everyone on the same page. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, in the offseason, you know, you looked at his resume when he was hired, and, and you wondered, you know, what is this, this guy going to bring to the table? What does he know about MLS? You know what? He didn't have to know much about MLS because the team, for the most part, was already put together. All he had to do was kind of give them a strategy, get, work on the tactics, and, and he's done. he's been spot on with that. So they're, they're for 
field. They're not going anywhere. While there are some, you know, there's some teams you can question the results and look at and say, you know, there's definitely some teams who started well and, and, and maybe their their records are, are flattering to what the quality of the play has been. But I don't think you can do that Montreal. I think Montreal is absolutely legit, 4-0, and totally deserving. All right, Evans, let's talk uh, about another game. I was actually at this game, the Dallas versus Real Salt Lake game. Uh, Dallas, for me, from what I saw, looked a little sloppy in the first half. However, though, I don't want to take anything away from Dallas because they did get the victory. Real Salt Lake was out, was missing a lot of players. Kyle Beckerman, Tony Beltran, Alvaro uh, Sabario, and then they were also Sebastian Velasquez didn't play. Nick Romano didn't play. Uh, but Dallas got the victory 2-0 in the second half, and uh, things are riding high for Dallas right now. Absolutely. I mean, the, the, when you look at their – they have three wins now. They're doing pretty well, and, and things are breaking their way. I mean, when you think about the games that they played, right, they beat you, They beat Colorado, who's missing Matt Pickens. Mm-hmm. Stuart Seus absolutely gets them a game winner. They play Houston, coming off of a really just tough and disappointing midweek game in Champions League. And they beat them 3-2 in a, in a bit of a nail-biter with a controversial winner from Kenny Cooper. And now here we come against the Salt Lake game, against the Real Salt Lake team, missing several of their top starters. And Dallas takes care of business. You can't, you know, not, you can't knock the fact that FC Dallas has taken full advantage of these opportunities to get all the points. And, and the, the thing is, a team like Dallas, they needed some confidence, and they're, getting, they're building that confidence. And they have, they have the talent. They have talent on that team. Um, to, to do something this year. and But the question is always going to be, you know, can Shellis put together, get, will, will they be able to deal with the midfield and, and building a midfield that, that could, could offset the loss of Julian de, Julian de Guzman, who I thought was a big loss for them. And they're, they're putting it together. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm curious to see how they do against full-strength teams, like top teams in the league that are at full strength. That's going to be the question as we go down the road. But for right now, you have to really like what you're seeing from them. And what you're seeing from guys like Jackson – Fabian Castillo, mm-hmm. and obviously David Ferrer is always going to be great. So the the, ball, the the snowball is rolling down the hill, and Dallas is, is is picking up steam, and you have to give them full credit. Well, especially too, because I mean, two months from now, we're not going to be like, oh, well, Dallas won these games because X X reason, X reason, X reason. But I mean, they're winning the games that that I mean, they're they're winning the games. I mean, it's not like. You know they chose this game going into it. It's like, oh, it's not like let's let's play Seattle because they're. I mean, I'm sorry, let's play Real Salt Lake because they're missing so many players. I mean, Dallas went into this game. I mean, I watched this game. Real Salt Lake did have a chance in the first half to win this game. Real Salt Lake also had a chance in the second half to equalize, but due to a Josh Saunders mistake, I don't know what he was doing. Kick the ball out, Josh Saunders. Don't don't be goofing around with it back there. I don't know what you're doing. Because of that, Jackson pounced on it, scored a goal for FC Dallas, and I mean, it's it's crazy when you look at I me. Mean, FC Dallas right now is top of the Western Conference. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, the three points are the three points. They're putting them in the bag. No one's going to take them away from them because of the conditions or the, or the circumstances of their opponents. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- what you can do, though, when you look at those things, is that you still ask yourself, as we get down the road later into the season, are they still going to be able to keep up this level? And that's, and that's, that's when we're really going to see just how good they are. Because, you know, right now, yes, they're in first place. They have those three wins in hand. But... It's a long year, and at the end of the day, the cream rises to the top. The top teams will be there at the end. Oh, I like that. And for, and for me, I'm still not convinced that Dallas is one of the best teams in MLS. I know Dallas fans absolutely will say that they are. Mm-hmm. And they'll say, look at the record, look at the scoreboard. We are one of the best teams. Okay, yes, right now, you are one of the best teams in the league. But as we get through the season, as you start to face opponents that are, that are full strength and that are among the better teams in the league, 
then we will see. And and that and that's going to be a good test because you know Shell Simon, he's doing a good job right now. They're doing a good job, but it's a long season, and uh, you know we're going to see it. We're going to see where they are coming summer. All right, let's talk about another team that that is also hot. It's funny. It's all three of these teams. I don't think anyone really gave them much of a chance to make the playoffs, but here they are, top of their division. That is Chivas USA. Ivis. They go off. They beat the Chicago Fire four to one. They score four. Go- I'm sorry, I just said that four to one. They score four goals in that game. Uh, Juan Agudelo. We had a Juan Agudelo sign, uh, show, uh, sighting in that game. Chivas USA, Ivis. It's 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 amazing that 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 how how great their season has gone for them thus far compared to how just rocky their off season was. Yeah, I mean, that you, for me, they're the story of the season today. I mean, yes, Montreal's four zero, but they you know they had a veteran team coming back and they they did finish last season pretty well. Mm-hmm. So. It, you know, you, that's not as much of a shock as Chivas is when you think about the way their offseason went, and and the complete overhaul of their team, and this and this unique approach to building a roster, um, and, and not waiting till right before the start of the season to go sign some defenders. I mean, it all seemed ridiculous. It all seemed crazy. But uh, their head coach El Chelis is making it work. I mean, they're playing great soccer. I mean, they they have one loss on the year. And you can argue that they weren't that bad in that game either, in the, in the opener. But they've, they've gotten better and better. They clearly gained confidence out of that draw against the Galaxy. And they just tore apart the fire. I mean, the fire, I mean, they're, you know, them in Colorado are at the very bottom of the league right now. But all credit to the to, to Chivas USA. They're having fun. They're playing good soccer. And as a U.S. fan, you have to love seeing Juan Agudelo getting his, getting his swagger back, looking like that young, uh, talented forward that could be a national team uh, fixture. Uh, so it's nothing but positive signs there. Well, the Chicago Fire did get a goal in this game, though the first of the season. But I, they still have a lot to work on, uh, without a doubt. And you know what? They are absolutely missing uh, Arn Friedrich. I mean, it's, it's just no doubting that at all. I mean, the German veteran defender is the anchor to that back line, and I think now people maybe realize just how important he was to them last year. I mean, Austin Berry was rookie of the year, and he had a really solid season. But having Friedrich next to him to teach him to kind of you know tell him where to go was absolutely invaluable. And right now you're seeing you know Barry and and Jilani Baba just not really working that together. I mean they you know they're both young. Uh, neither the one of them is the leader there, so it's kind of like you could see both those young center backs kind of trying to figure out who to turn to and what do I do, where do I go. And you know if you're the fire, if Arn Friedrich can't come back, if mm-hmm. there's an issue there, if he you know if he's you know, if it's a serious injury where he might not come back, you need to go get yourself a defender. And and the and the player that comes to mind for me is Baki Sumari with the Philadelphia Union, who's already requested a trade. The Union are, from what I understand, sources have told me that the Union and the Fire have had discussions. That trade needs to happen. They need to go get Baki Sumari, who for me is still a very good defender. Obviously, he's had knee injuries that have kept him on the sidelines since he signed last summer. But for me... You know, Baki Samara, who was the best 11 defender with the fire before, you got to bring him back, Chicago, because your season is going down the tubes. All right, let's move on to a uh, to another team whose season is not going down the tubes. That's the Houston Dynamo. Hi- Dynamo, I mean, they're, they're just doing their thing like they do every single year. They went out, beat the Vancouver Whitecaps. Uh, two to one, Vancouver was their first loss on the season, and I mean Houston, it's Houston, man. They're they're just gonna plug away victories, and they're probably gonna make the playoffs. And I mean, I mean it's Houston. I mean, there's not really much to say about them because I mean they should be doing this every single game. Well, I tell you what, man, they needed that. They needed that win um, because you know they, obviously coming off last week with that FC Dallas loss, which was you know it was a week to forget for the Dynamo. I mean they lose to Santos Laguna, then they turn around and lose to Dallas. 
Um, but again, like you said, they're a veteran team. They know how to circle the wagons. They know Dom Kinnear knows how to get his team on track. And they go out and they knock off the Whitecaps. They were down a goal and they still, man, you know, they were able to come back. Uh, and they are, again, for me, they're going to be there at the end. And when you talk about teams that, you know, will they keep it going through the year? Will they be there when the, you know, when when we're getting closer to playoff time? The Dynamo will absolutely be there. And we saw that this weekend. We saw the qualities of, of that team and why you should expect to see them near the top of the East when the season's over. Well, we also had a Darren Maddox signing, and that's going to be huge for Vancouver, who's who's going to be really hoping that. Darren Maddox can be a player that can really take it to the next level this year. Well, he did. Yeah, I mean, he had a great goal for sure. But you know, there were some questions at the end of that game about you know maybe chances that he missed. I know there were some there's some questions there. But again, he's young. He's talented. Uh, the Whitecaps are a solid team. Uh, we're still going to see how how they you know uh, offset the loss of Jaden Merritt, not you know not having his leadership in the back. Um, that's going to be interesting to see. But, you know, the Whitecaps, I think, still a good team. I- I'm not sure they're a lock to be a playoff team. Uh, but, you know, they- they're going to be – I think they'll be fun to watch this year. All right, in the last game that we talked about, I called this, so thank you, Garrett Cleverly. The uh, San Jose Earthquakes defeated the Seattle Sounders. How about that? Well, hey, Seattle was not at full strength, to be fair. But you got to give San Jose credit. You know, Chris Wondolowski just before halftime uh, hitting a-, a-, a beautiful, beautiful goal – to make the difference there, but you know, it, I, there's not much separating those teams. But again, both teams, both teams were shorthanded. To be fair to the Earthquakes, they've been shorthanded through. The yes, entire, they have. They've been shorthanded the entire start of this season. Uh, so this game is, you know, those these are two of the best teams for me. Records aside, still two of the best teams in the league. Uh, Seattle, yes, they have not won a game yet. They're at the bottom of the table. But anyone who thinks they're going to be at the bottom of the table come September and October. Is out of their minds. I think Seattle's way too talented. They're going to put it all together. But right now, some tough times, tough schedule, international call-ups and the like. Mm-hmm. But for me, do not if you, if you try to write Seattle off, I think you're going to make a mistake. No, I'm not writing Seattle off at all. And, and you're right. I mean, Seattle's they they've played a lot of games, and and I think for them, you know, obviously on their mind right now is the Concacaf and and their game coming up here against Santos Laguna, which is I mean going to be huge. For U.S. soccer, because I mean, you also have the Galaxy playing Monterey. I mean, this is going to be huge for them. And I mean, Eddie Johnson's not there. Oh, but Eddie Martins did not play in that game at all. But when you look at the Earthquakes, though, Ivis, they're they're without. They're, I mean, they're missing a lot of players too. So, I mean, you also when you look at the Earthquakes, they didn't put in any bench players. Every single one of their players played ninety minutes in that game. Yeah, I mean, well, the thing is, when you in, in the case of San Jose, I mean, they've been dealing with these injury, injury issues. Uh, since the first game, so if anything, you can qu- you can point to the fact that while this group is is kind of a makeshift group, it's actually had several games to kind of come together, get used to each other, from you know familiarize themselves with each other and how they play, and uh, they're doing really well. I mean, and credit to Frank Yak, you know, when you're missing, you know, guys like Steven Lenhart, Alan Gordon, Marvin Chavez, Victor Bernardez, who was obviously playing against Mexico and called up by Honduras. I mean, for them mm-hmm. to miss those players and still get that result. It is absolutely a credit to Frank Gallup and, and what he's able to do 
without all those players. Um, and, you know, whether Seattle missing players or not missing players, Seattle still put a pretty good damn team on the field that night. Well, like I said, it, it, like we always say this. I mean, we, we say this on every single show about the teams. You have to win your games, regardless of the situation. All these guys are professionals, and all the guys on the bench are professionals too, and the guys on the bench bench, they're professionals too. They have to go out there to win, and all these guys want to win too. So regardless of if you're shorthanded, well, you have to win the game, and you, and you can never make excuses, right? Right. I mean, look at San Jose. I mean, think about it. Let's run through their team. If you run through their team really quickly, their back four is like mo- a pretty – three of their four regular starters weren't there. I mean, Justin Morrow's with the U.S. team. Mm-hmm. Stephen Betashore is injured. Victor Bernardes is with Honduras. Jason Hernandez is the only regular starter who was in their back line, and they were able to post a shutout. Uh, you don't have Stephen Lenhardt. You don't have Alan Gordon. They're starting a rookie, un- undrafted rookie – well, not drafted in the regular draft – in Adam John, who for me has been one of the – Real surprises in the league mm-hmm. as far as rookies go. And, and, I mean, they're really doing it. I mean, Frank Yellow, you know, everyone talked about last year, what a magical season, and could they do it again? And, you know, they're not doing it again in the sense of they're not ro- rolling over everybody, but they're doing it again in the sense that they're coming together, the pieces are fitting, even without some of their best players. Well, I just, that wraps it up for uh, our MLS uh, game review type of thing. A U.S. men's national team is playing tomorrow as we wrap up the show here. Any uh, any final comments you have on, on, on anything that is U.S. soccer? Well, this is what I'd say to U.S. fans. Obviously, we, you know, we all would like to see the U.S. win that game on Tuesday. And they, I'm not going to say they don't have a chance at all because as, confidence, as confident as the team seems right now coming off of that win against Costa Rica, mm-hmm. you can't rule them out. You can't. It's saying that when you have Clint Dempsey on the form he's on, anything and Brad and Brad Guzan on the form he's on, anything is possible. But Mexico, it's going to be a really tough challenge. And I think as a, I think U.S. fans, if you if you look at that game, if that game goes down on Tuesday and the U.S. plays well but loses, I think that that would be that's still a victory in a lot of ways because you know th- this U.S. team has been through a lot. There's obviously all the controversy that surrounded the team with the sporting news story last week and, and whether that would, you know, tear the team apart or bring it together. And clearly for me, you know, the, it's brought the team together. And, and they, you know, you, that's the vibe you get. These guys are really united right now. And it, and it bodes well for, for, for qualifying going forward. So I think the key, as much as the key, obviously, is to get either three points or one point. If you get either three points or one point on Tuesday, that is golden. But what has to happen, I think, the U.S. has to play well. They play well and lose, that you can still build on that going into June. And it, and it wouldn't shock me at all, at all if the U.S. turn in a really good performance on Tuesday. So you, but you, USA, you still think they're going to lose, though? You know what? Listen, Mexico is a really good team. You know what? Their early results in, in, in the hex notwithstanding, I just think they're too good a team to drop points at home for the second straight time at Azteca. If they do, if the U.S. wins, it is going to be absolutely historic for the U.S. because they've never won in Azteca in a qualifying and, and, and in front of the 110,000 fans in the cauldron of Azteca. It's never been done. If the U.S. pulls that off, we're talking history. We can, we're talking, listen, this team is going to absolutely qualify for the World Cup. It would be amazing. And, and Mexico, for U.S. fans, it'd be even better because then, then Mexico would be an absolute shambles with only two points from three games. I just can't see that happening. I just can't see that. As, as amazing as that scenario would be for Americans and U.S. fans, it's just really tough, man. Mexico is good. They're better than their record in Hex right now. They are, you know, they're quality. And I think this is, you know, listen, I'll, I'll, not to be the bad guy here, Gold Cup final, 
U.S. was up 2-0. Chips were down. That Mexico team responded. And I think this is a similar case for them. They, they know they need a win, and they're going to come out to get it. Dude, that game was nasty. I remember that game. Dos Santos had an unbelievable goal in that game. Also, Bradley had a sick header in that game, too. That was – gosh. I lost. U.S. fans won't remember that. I lost, I lost they, some – They blocked that game out of their memory. Oh, I lost some money on that game, so I remember that game. You earned a loan, I'm sure. I was. Uh, I made a couple friendly bets with a couple couple of my friends. <laughs> yeah, stay away from betting on your team. That, that's just asking for trouble. Well, it was the guys that I work with, you know. I mean, I, I not 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 at my current job. This is at a previous job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Wink, wink. No, no, no. This is when I was a you know a rookie serving tables a couple years ago. I mean, I mean, you know, it was, it was with the guys. You know, it was the kitchen staff. You know, I had to make a couple bets. I had to represent I USA. Right. No, that's fair. That's fair. I, I wouldn't recommend anyone betting on this game. Just watch it and enjoy it and see how the U.S. responds, how they do in that in those conditions. And the, the, these are the games, the game on Tuesday. Games like those are the games that can define a career. If someone, you know, if someone goes out there and has a monster game and a win, they will become a legend, whether it's for Mexico or the U.S. So someone's going to make history on Tuesday. Let's hope it's the U.S. All right, well, Ivis, have a fun time at the game. Thanks, my man. I'm sure I'll be there. I'll try to stay dry when Mexicans fans start throwing the beer in the air if they score. Beer? Are you kidding? Oh, 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 in the air when they score. I thought you were referring to the players. I was like, they're not throwing beer at the players. <laughs> no, no, no. They just, it's crazy. They just, you know, I was, when, when they won, when they won in 2009, it was just a crazy scene. They scored a late winner or, you know, late in the, after the 80th minute and the fans just went crazy. And it was, it, and it, it'll be even, it'll be even more nuts just because of all the pressure on them. So, you know, for the U.S. fans that are going to be in Mexico and be at Azteca, you know, be careful, have fun, enjoy yourselves. It's not as dangerous as some people might say. It's a great environment, and hopefully the, those fans that make it down here have something to celebrate. Well, Ivis, I don't want you to worry about me. I'll, I'll have a good time in Dallas, so don't worry. Well, that wraps it up for the SBI Podcast. Ivis, like I said, have a good time. Thanks, my man. All right, and for people listening to the show, we'll be back again later this week to recap the U.S. men's national team game against Mexico and preview the, all the MLS action going into this weekend. Thank you for listening. This is the SBI Podcast.